Hello, Terry Ann. Hello, everyone in podcast land. <laughs> hey, darling. Hi. Oh, we were cut off last week. Oh, I know. No, it's oh, sorry. I told everyone. Okay, great. <laughs> Good. We don't. So, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what we're going to do uh, this week. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. what, is it, what is it you you were kind of coming up with or thinking about? For this week, did anything new happen, or um, did anything new happen? No, not really. Just no. lots of um. I think, like we were talking last time about you know being practical and staying out of fear, and I was thinking how much you know when people have such a strong view on the world and they're trying to impose that they're right on everybody how almost destructive that feels it does Mm. doesn't it it's just so so heavy so pressuring um and and then also if you find your allies the ones who agree with you you end up you end up in confirmation bias, right? Or your little bubble—I forget what else they're calling it now—but mm-hmm. you're looking around for someone to confirm your bias, and you get more and more inflated, right? It's almost like a, uh, you're ideologically possessed, and the only people you want to hang around with are those that have the same ideological possession, rather than having a nice discussion. You know, discussing all the the different variants and looking at it and see what what would be the best way to um, work with yourself to see what's going on. It's, it's really abusive, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You know, this, this idea of I need to be right is, is abuse on its, on its own. It becomes extremely abusive. Mm. And I, I find it just, you know, uh, when someone just tells you, directly out you know i'm right and you're wrong it's like can't we just talk about this like bring evidence to it see what what's coming out instead of no you're absolutely you're absolutely wrong about this Mm. really really (laughs) really um it's so interesting um you know even i was listening to a book it's a book on addiction and um and how people like people who are sexually betrayed or um how they they there's a bond with the perpetrator of sexual abuse yeah it's very it's very interesting it's like the uh, you know stockholm Stop syndrome yeah. type thing um and you know i it's like really cool really interesting of course this guy studied it you know, the field, been in it, he's like the, the top guy in the field. And yet, you know, when I'm reading it, there's parts of me going, some people could buy into this um, as though, you know, there's one thing you don't want to blame the person who was sexually attacked, but the person who was sexually attacked also needs to take responsibility. Right? Yeah. It, you know, it's not like, you might not introduce responsibility post an attack or if they've been in a situation that's been been abusive, but eventually as they get stronger, they need to look back at the situation and take 
take responsibility. So it's so interesting reading it. I'm like, oh, is it my my bias? You know, mm-hmm. is it the way I look at the world that is saying that this sounds a little bit like um, the victim might. And you, we know this is true that that victims often latch onto therapy or a therapeutic book and start listing all of the ways in which they can prove that they are abused yeah or that they free themselves from any culp- uh, not culpability i don't like that word any responsibility in the matter right mm. and um and that the, they become extremely defensive about that Right. So it, it tells you right away you haven't dealt with it. Yeah. You can list 50 million reasons why you were not at fault in the experience. Great. If, if it's like, oh, well, here are all the reasons I wasn't at fault. And that freed me mm. from, you know, all the guilt and shame of of my situation. Great. I think that's wonderful. But they usually don't talk about it and they don't usually get uh fearsome i've seen people who have been abused who found a therapeutic uh defense or reasons uh justifications for why they are not the guilty party and they'll scream at you it's like okay relax i'm just asking a question yeah and of course now uh the moment they're defensive you say if you say you're defensive they're going to say now, now. All right. So um, there was a little bit of a cut out there. So I'm just going to um, bring my attention back. So it won't, it may not be contiguous, but um, I was just saying that if someone's defensive and we point out that they're defensive, it really is a very difficult thing because the moment you say they're defensive and you defend yourself saying, no, I'm not, then you're already stuck in the defense, right? Mm. But when you're in a a therapeutic situation and likely you could sit down and look at your defenses and maybe that will give you some insight, right? So it's not not very easy to to tell someone they're defensive. Well, it's very difficult to tell someone they're defensive, but it changes when you say, well, why didn't you look at, you know, what this emotional response is like why are you so triggered by a question you know why is life still triggering you uh or is it triggering you at all or are you just are you reacting to something else etc so so our questions matter in this kind of situation but it doesn't mean as a let's say you're living with someone who gets defensive let's say for example you know honey could you not go out today um because i'm feeling vulnerable and uh i'm a little bit worried to bring in the flu season stuff and um let's just keep it away and the response uh, might be to a nice request like that oh yeah, yeah sure honey but if you come from a place of fear as we were saying last week you might immediately feel the impact of someone reacting to your fear. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I react to the fear, right? We feel it. We're, we're, we're still animals, right? As much as we think we're logical, uh, we can, you know, how animals can smell fear, 
Right. If you think, you know, one of the interesting things you could think about in nature is nature will kill the elderly, the sick, the diseased, that kind of thing. That's what they go for, which is so cool about nature, right? They're going to get mm. rid of uh, the, the bad ones in the herd, right? <laughs> um, and if you look at this virus, who's it killing? Yeah. It, it's yeah. the same as the animal kingdom. It's killing the weaker. You know, it, it is doing exactly what nature does. Um, so if you exacerbate that by being fearful, animals can smell fear. Yeah. That someone who's fearful is usually very irrational. So my favorite example is we, we had the sewers opened up in, in a home I lived in. So the, the rats were coming into the houses because oh, nice. <laughs> they had opened up the street. So you had to, you know, put wires on pipes and all kinds of stuff so they wouldn't come in. But we got one. It came in. And, uh, you know, every day I was just running around going, I hear something scratching. And and then one day I was I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, there's, there's an animal in there. It's got to be a rat. It was going insane. It went crazy. It was like making all these little noises, was bouncing, was in the laundry room because there was a pipe that came up uh, and uh, an open space from the from the street, right, obviously, uh, to connect to all the, the washers and, and stuff like that. And, oh, my God, this thing was going crazy. <laughs> I left that thing out. <laughs> and then, you know, I come back the next day looking around, you know, going slowly to see, you know, is is it around? Where is it? Cannot find the thing. I opened the laundry room door. Thus, he had eaten the soap. It had he, I don't know if it's a he or she. Yeah. It, it eaten um. the soap. Like literally gone into the detergent, thrown it all over. There was a bar of soap that was used for laundry. It had eaten it. So it really, you know, because I'm a city girl, you know, I don't get to see these things. I don't know what nature does. I love, you know, one of the the most amazing things are when I see men um, in nature doing all their, I always go, they're doing clippity cloppity clippity. They're, they're getting things together and they know how to work things. And I'm like, total city girl. I have no clue. I don't have my wife's uh, <laughs> <laughs> city components. I don't know how to do anything. So I love watching it. So in this case, it really, really brought to life for me how irrational something in fear can be. Mm. How irrational. Eating soap. Obviously, it was starving. It was going cr- It lost its mind. All of the components of fear. Eventually, I found it dead somewhere. There was oh, a smell. Or we soil. Yeah. I, ne- I had never experienced... Um, I found it, it was dead, and I wanted to scream, and my mouth opened, I turned white, and all I went was, ah, ah, ah. Oh, and yeah. I, I went to find my brother-in-law, and I was still doing this, I couldn't speak, I was totally choked up, and I was just going, ah, ah. and finally, I, you know, because I saw my brother-in-law, I calmed down, and I went, there's a dead rat, you have to, and he went, and of course, moved it, Mr. He, he was my hero in those days. <laughs> all these you know manly manly things right? <laughs> so manly you know so so wonderful to have somebody to be able to take care of so i don't know what i would have done i probably would have figured it out eventually but 
you know, like those movies, like take two tennis rackets, and, you know, smush it together or something. But in any case, that really showed me what fear is about. So um, we can be wild with fear internally. Mm. We can be completely irrational. Now, oftentimes we think a lot of the anger that we have or an anger someone else has is is real anger it's not not necessarily real anger it's just sort of this surface anger that is hiding all of our fears sorry i was just saying the fear is always underneath the other emotions a lot of the time i think rage uh, well yeah likely right mm. even i was just thinking of rage and that's an amygdala response and how we can climb a tree but usually it's catalyzed by fear right yeah. Like, you know, the stories of women who are pregnant and, you know, can lift a car because their child is trapped under the car. Or, yeah. Uh, well. You know, if these, you know, when I think of if I was in nature and chased by a lion, I would be dead. But you don't know what an amygdala, amygdala response yeah. will do. You know, uh, I think of I, when I, yeah. if I'm crossing the street and let's say a car is coming at me with my, my, my legs that don't run anymore. Uh, will will I get across the street? And I'm like, you know, uh, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what'll happen to the whole nervous system. Yeah, pain, the pain. You don't know how you're yeah. gonna respond. Two so. of my friends always said one of them was like, if I ever get attacked, I'll just punch them, and the other one's like, I'd run away. And then they were out for a walk, and something happened, and they both did the opposite of what they thought they'd do. <laughs> they pun- <laughs> exactly. one of them punched the other one, and then. <laughs> It is funny, right? Because, yeah. you know, that's me. I'm like, I would just run away. Just run away. Yeah. You know, and you never know if that's what your automatic reaction will be. You have yeah. no idea. But you kind of look at, you know, one of the automatic reactions I like to look at is if if you, when I'm fearful about something and I'm having an argument, my words are punchy. Mm. And then sometimes Ooh, yeah. when I'm having an argument... Uh, I can back down, you know, I can feel myself just yeah. backing down. So, you know, what I do in those situations when they, uh, when they have happened and they do, and I, and I often look back on them as well, um, is, you know, what, where was I, you know, where were my beliefs? And one of the quotes I didn't use last week is, you know, Shakespeare Nothing is right or wrong, only thinking it makes it so. And oftentimes this right or wrong kind of zero, zero, one, zero, one binary, yeah, binary st- response yeah, yeah. that goes on in us. Um, and we're thinking that just one way is appropriate. Well, yeah, maybe we have a lot of binary systems going on. If we think this is right and somebody else is wrong, but they ask us a particular question that's gets us out of our mm. particular comfort zone. I love people who are in the middle road. Like if you're, if I am polarized, let's say, which can happen, I can pick up an idea, start arguing for that idea. And, you know, I know inside it's like, I don't really care and it doesn't matter. But if somebody asks me an appropriate question, um, it'll stand me out of any polarization like really quickly. Mm. Like, yeah, that's just dumb. I do it to myself. Um, like I, I'll hear, you know, and you can have conversations with people and oftentimes they, they end up in this, uh, yeah, I don't know why, like I have to be right. It's interesting if I talk to, you know, conversations with men, sometimes it's, it's always being drawn into 
right or wrong mm. and present new information. And that competitive nature of men comes out and they want to win and be right. Whereas women, we just chat, you know, often just talk. Yeah, we'll go around in circles, exploring. Um, it can be, or very, very, um, or not in circles. You know, sometimes women don't go in circles. They they explore a topic, or yeah. if a man, you know, uses his feminine and masculine to work things through. I've been in circles with men. Mm. You know, so that means it's not necessarily... A man will tend to be more in his masculine, but not necessarily... You know, we're always flipping back and forth between our masculine and feminine. Yeah. We're always using it differently. There's different periods in life, right? If if you, I need to work a lot, I'm going to be in a my masculine a lot more. Yeah. If I, you know, now with my life, I can be in my feminine and my masculine. I can feel myself moving in and out. Uh, if I stay too long in my feminine, it's really weird to become a little bit... Um, kind of like oh well i'll just flow with whatever's going on and sometimes it's like wait a minute you need some structure woman right you can't mm. just let yourself be unstructured <laughs> like um the, you know the last month or it's not a month it's a few weeks since i've been back i think i arrived march 4th and now we're the 18th so you know i arrived and 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 my body was in a lot of pain. I suppose it's because of, you know, the 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 temperature change, you know, being in Florida was warmer, being here it's cooler, you know, the drive up I could just feel my whole body contracting. Uh and, you know, it was really tough just sort of acclimatizing. I feel a lot better this week, but I had to rest a lot. Mm. Like it just really had to rest but it was it got annoying after two weeks like oh my god it's four o'clock i need to put my legs up i need to do some reading or uh listening to an audiobook or watching some movies and then after you know two weeks of that i was like oh my god i can't keep doing this so i just said okay create a structure where what else could you do and i went well you know maybe start more movement so mm. okay, so I can do my body doesn't hurt as much, create more movement. So you get you get that masculine giving you uh, some structure that that supports you mm. that, that always supports you. And of course, we have to go sometimes into one side, and then as soon as we get fed up with it, you know, we can kind of look. Oh, let me explore what what does my masculine have to say. You know, what What's what does that do for me? What is it? What is helping out? So right away, I was like, you need a little structure, honey. Get yourself. So I was like, okay, good. Good. That's what I'll do. Yeah. And we're always changing our little structure, right? So while the pain was was increased for about two weeks, um, I, I was taking, you know, a little bit more THC. I was... Um, and of course, that that made me foggier. And after a while, I went, okay, let's just see if I can stop that completely and see what happens. Mm. It took about three days after stopping it. it. Was it's really interesting to see what happens. I stopped it. The pain was still really severe, and I'm like, oh, I should take it. I should take it. And then I went, no, we're just gonna wait. And it, it was like the the after effects of THC. Uh, help the body heal. Mm. So cool. Really, really cool. You know, I found that really, really interesting, even though it was more painful. 
So, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about, I think, two weeks ago or one week ago, that we really don't know how we function. You know, sometimes we remain in our masculine and remain consistent. Even our belief systems can be consistent. And sometimes you just need to shake yourself out of it, which is the feminine. She disrupts things. Mm -hmm. And then when you shake yourself out of it, you still need another structure to support you so you can get through the next part. But if we're too structured, like uh, my favorite one is I... I used to be really good. I would go to the gym every day and I would eat properly and I'd mm. work efficiently and now I can't. Well, yeah, that sounds a little bit crazy. Your body might not be able to tolerate that. No, it was really great. I felt great. Well, maybe you just feel, felt great at that time and could do that. Yeah. But doing that caused you to get to the place you're in now. Just moderate it. Just figure out how to to create a little structure for yourself with whatever is going on in your body mind right now. Mm. It's back to our original conversation. It's, it's up to us to figure out what we need to do for any type of flu season. Yeah. Um, you know, I know someone who has a weak immune system and wanted to, you know, take the bus and I was like, Oh my God. No, don't do that. You know, it's like a tube of infection, right? <laughs> people who take the bus or the metro might be stronger than people who drive in cars there might you know some of them their immune system might be stronger because they keep picking up all kinds of things and their immune system is well well versed but if you've got a weaker immune system you're older that's not the place for you to go right no you're not going to go on the bus and lick the handles no (laughs) did you see that video of that kid no there's a girl you know, all, you know, dressed up. She's obviously a very good-looking girl, you know, makeup and whatever, sunglasses or something. And she's in the airplane uh, bathroom, right. and she licked the seat. And she what? Licked the toilet seat. Why did she do that? Well, I guess to say that she doesn't believe in the virus. Oh, I see. No, I didn't see that video. Is she dead yet? <laughs> No, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Is she dead from, you know... <laughs> My comedy humour, haven't I? <laughs> no, there's another little video going around of this, you know, um, we're all being told to, you know, wash our hands a lot, and then there's this little kid who's just, like, there's, like, this metal bar, and she's just, like, her head's just at the height, so she's just licking it backwards and forwards, <laughs> so sharing it for a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could have been from years ago. <laughs> Just a little me. It was just, kind of cute. You know, this, this was uh, something about, you know, yeah. not believing the coronavirus. Okay, wow. but you don't believe in toilet germs? like No. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, we, we were, um, it was a couple of weeks from when this goes out, but I was at a dancing event. And, you know, I noticed how much I never touch my face anyway when I'm dancing. Because we had this, you know, we had to wash our hands all the time and we weren't allowed to touch our faces. And I automatically don't notice that I don't touch my face very much when I dance anyway. So I was like, oh, I was already doing that. And I was already washing my hands. And I'm like, what were you lot doing? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? For me, that's always been practical. It's like you're holding people's hands. You don't know where they've been all day. (laughs) Yeah, it would be be interesting to have a videotape to see. 
Yeah. How many times people touch their faces? Like, yeah. there's no way. You know, they say two to three thousand times a day we touch our faces. Yeah, and I'm going to be the one who does it five to six thousand. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's the I, amount of times I touch my face. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've touched it in the last minute, like at least 50. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, as soon as I leave the dance venue and I was on my way home, I went out for lunch. I just had my hands on my face, like at the table where we stopped for lunch. And everyone's like, oh, don't touch your face. And I'm like, oh, now I have to think about it. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm back in normal land. I think it's really hard to think about it's it. really I, mad, you know, isn't it? Because we do it be, a lot. We do it a lot. It's, mm. a, it's a human thing that we touch our faces. Yeah. Even and one friend of mine said, you know, I was in front of a mirror and I noticed I was touching my face. And I always thought I don't. And I'm like, you're human. Human yeah. stuff. That's what they do. <laughs> it's like, come on. Uh, I don't. I notice, you know, since I was a kid, uh, you know, I was always touching because I was always itchy or, yeah. you know, this HSP business, right? When you're your eye sensitive person, physical stuff drives you crazy as well. Mm. It drives me out of my cotton picking tree. Yeah. Like, you know, if I get itchy eyes, it drives me out of my mind. If I get so just constant, constant. Even I remember when. I first started seeing my husband. It was he was like, "Man, just stop, stop rubbing your eyes, right?" I'd be like, rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing, uh, just constant. And I can't imagine. I, you know, thank God I'm here myself because I've touched. I can't tell you how many times I stick my finger in my eyes. I'm doing it right now as I say <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, I always thought. I was the one who touched my face till I read the stat uh, years ago that humans touch their face. And as I'm talking to you now, I'm using my finger and I'm going round and round my lips. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm not the kind of person who should go outside, right? Really, you shouldn't go outside. <laughs> there we go. My hands are on my lips again. Now they're rubbing my face. You know, like, it's just crazy. That's just it's just funny. And I am, you know, I've washed my hands. A million times today because I've been cleaning, so there's just mm. constant soap on my hands. Yeah. I'm always very careful not to get, you know, chemicals on my birdie, so I clean my hands oh, yeah. a lot. Mm. I, you know, I when I'm washing things or cleaning walls, I don't want him to be chemicalized, my little Aww, baby. little cutie. You have to be so careful with him. Yeah. You, they're very sensitive to chemicals, so yeah. I don't use too many, but, you know, like, I try to use baking soda and soap. Did you know, okay, so now we're going to make this a home, a home remedy show. show. Yeah. But one of the, I, I couldn't, I don't like using, um, you know, Comet or that, what's that other product that's a creamy liquid that acts like Comet? In any case. I, well, that might know, be the Canadian terms for them. I don't know what you're talking about. No, but I GIF? think you have Vim, Vim, GIF? Vim. I think we call I don't, it we, we have Vim anyway. So yeah. I don't like to use that thing on the sink surface because the bird flies into the sink. Oh, yeah. You know? He goes in there, and I, I just worry about him. I keep everything really clean. He likes to, to go in there for whatever reason. He might see a, a seed or a dot of food, um, so it, so I make sure it's always really clean. But the 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 metal, you know, the metal um, stopper and yeah. the metal that goes into the pipe, all that metal. Um, I don't know what you call that piece, but 
Um, I don't think it's a gasket, but what is that? In any case, I need my husband here now to tell me what the heck it is. Um, so that thing got all kind of brown, as though it's got tea stains on it, right? Mm-hmm. Likely it does between all the coffee and the tea and the et cetera. I'm going to segue again after that to tea, which is not interesting. Um, so I discovered using soap, di- dish soap, and baking soda, get it mixed up into a paste. Oh, yeah. I have now got a super shiny faucet. Love it. Oh. Amazing little product to clean stainless steel which segues to i drink a lot of coffee and i went and converted (laughs) to drinking lots of tea last month black tea no green green tea tea. okay with with rose with rose uh, little baby roses delicious the green tea and that mixed together i was becoming addicted i just like was making it all day long Mm. well all of a sudden i look in the i'm a fanatic uh, taking care of my teeth. My dentist is so happy with me. He says, they say you have impeccable, impeccable hygiene. So mm. take really good care of it. I'm constantly, you know, in there with all kinds of yeah. devices to clean it out. And I get this stain in between my front teeth. <gasps> and it's just driving me crazy. I can't tell you how, how long I spent with every different toothpaste, baking soda, uh, charcoal, trying to get this stain off. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck is that from? I mean, I I really yeah. drink a lot. And uh, the woman just said, did you drink tea? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I had a month. I was like crazy drinking tea. She goes, yeah, tea is way worse. Yeah. <laughs> way worse, you know, so I'm like, yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to tea in moderation now. Yeah. Don't want to stain up teeth. Don't want to stain my teeth. So, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I thought, I thought you were going to say you tried the washing up liquid and the bicarb on it. In your teeth. Well. I really wouldn't taste nice. Was, <laughs> you know, I've done it. Yeah. A little bit of soap, trying to try it out, mm. but I mixed it. I didn't do the whole thing like mixing charcoal peroxide and uh, baking soda, but I'm going to try that next time. Mm. Yeah, I, I use I use charcoal like once a week or something just to clean them, just on its own. Yes, I do that. Mm. I, uh, my dentist has this incredible thing. I forget what it's called. Hydroxy, blah 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 blah. It is so cool. At the instead of doing. You know how they do the tooth polishing at the yeah, end of them? Yeah, yeah, um, So one of my, my dentists, this is the periodontist. My dentist does tooth polishing, but my periodontist has this spray thing that is baking soda with mint. I love it. She's, oh. she's always like, now we're going to do the spray thing. I'll clean your face after. Don't worry about it. Oh. You're going to get a and she makes this joke that you're getting a derma abrasion uh, as a, you know, as a bonus. Or, and I'm like, yeah, don't worry about cleaning my face. I'll take care of that. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, it's it's going to be spraying. It's good. And I looked at her and said, you know, this is my favorite part of our whole yeah. week. What? Don't you hate the taste? I'm like, no, I no. love the taste <laughs> of the baking soda. And she's like, you're the only one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's delicious and it feels so good and you know and she goes on each tooth it sprays at, at quite an intense rate. 
Yeah. You know, it's a little, you get it all over your face. And it goes all over. And she's always wiping up. Listen, stop wiping my face. It's like, I don't care. She's like, you're the only person who doesn't care. I'm like, what is wrong with people? This is so delicious. And wow, when you get out of there, your teeth are so white. So that thing blasted yeah. this scene out. So oh, nice. If, yeah. you ever, if you live in Montreal, Canada, go to Mancini. I'm giving her a plug periodontist Mancini at the Seaforth building on Curtin Age. Oh, <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. You will love that appointment, even if you do it once. And there was another thing that they did. They don't do it all the time, but in addition to the regular cleaning, they did a, a laser because I've got, I have, mm. um, I'm Mediterranean and Mediterraneans have a genetic susceptibility to pockets in the gums. Oh, okay. And, so interesting, right? And so I had lots of operations and uh, to clean out underneath the gum, like they they rip it open and they go underneath Ooh. and bleeding. Nice. And it's like it's really costly. It's not super painful or anything, but, yeah, but... it's costly, and you don't you just don't want that to be happening, right? Yeah. So uh, she's she said we can do this laser. So the laser goes under the gum, and this time she looked, she said, oh, we're not going to do it this time. It looks like it worked really well, so we'll see about next time. It was like really cool stuff. So anyone who's got periodontal stuff, do that. Ask your dentist if you're not here to do that laser underneath the gum and take care of your mm. your gum. So, okay, so we segued into something really weird. But, you know, <laughs> we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, you know, everyone in there, you know, taking care of themselves. Yeah. It's like, oh, the more information we get, the more we can figure out what works and doesn't work. Sometimes, though, we have to remember um, information can be overwhelming. Like, yeah. in our position, you know, as practitioners, I don't know how many things you get a week of what that individual is doing. There's no way I can keep up to all the possible techniques out there. Yeah. Right? It's just, it just goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, I I don't know how many times a week, Terrianne, have you heard of this? Have you done this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm always like... No, no, I haven't. There's so many Uh things. I can't keep up with them all. (laughs) Can't, Can't keep up and nor can you. Nor can anyone keep up. So, you know, I often look at, well, if somebody brings something to you and you feel like you need to look into it, then then do do it. Yeah, that's what I always do. People bring me so many things. Some things I'm like, nah, keep that away from me. Mm. Um, I'm not interested, but I file it in case somebody comes and I go, oh, somebody sent me this. That's what that person needs, right? But I might not use it personally yeah yeah that makes sense um so so you know lots of lots of cool stuff out there that you need to be looking at take in see if that's for you or not and oftentimes if you're intuitive uh you're gonna feel it right away right away Mm -hmm. and uh, quite frankly i'm saying if you're intuitive i mean if you're listening to your intuition you kind of know uh, that is working. Everybody has a different, um, I think, level of intuition. Um, you know, one of the things I don't don't adhere to is that you can develop intuitive abilities. I believe we we have a natural ability. Well, yes, we have a natural ability, 
but we remove the filters yes. to help see our ability, which looks like we've improved our intuition, but not really. It was always that way. Yeah, it's just convincing <laughs> you to use it again sometimes. To, to use it or to stop filtering it. Yeah. Right? So you have certain beliefs or, you know, you get a gut sense, but you go with your intellect. Mm. Right? Instead of going with your... your um, Instead of going with your gut, which also, your brain. you know, it, 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 it makes a... It makes a problem in the body, too. If your gut isn't working and making the choices for you, then you're going into the brain, and the brain starts doing things it's not supposed to be doing. Yeah. The brain, right? The brain sends out its programs. You don't want it to be making decisions. And you don't want the heart to be making decisions. You want them all to be uh, doing what they're designed to do, right? So intuition, the same thing. Mm. You know, it's... It's doing something in particular. Well, you're the one who teaches yeah. the, the intuitive course. So what would you say intuition is? It's the knowing of things you shouldn't know from a logical perspective. Mm. Yeah, I, I just don't know how to, I don't even know how to to phrase it. I, I just, mm. I still look at um Intuition is something that, um, well, maybe we should save this for the next subject. Yeah, time. maybe let's chat about that next, time. next week. Because we've gone it's off one of my favorite of... topics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah let's, okay, let's do that next. Perfect. All right, my dears. Well, I hope that was fun for you. I think we're going to segue a lot more. Yeah. I don't want to keep one topic anymore. I want to just segue into just random rambles. Yeah. We'll rename we'll it the Random Rambles. Yeah. <laughs> like we could do Intuition et al, right? Like et cetera or something. Yeah. All right, my loves. Cool. Okay, Bye. take Bye. care, everyone. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. Take, stay, stay safe. Bye. Bye.